Welcome everyone to another installment of the Lemon Abner 30 minute episode. This is your host Keith and I just wanted to take a few moments to introduce a few tidbits of trivia and a couple of comments uh, along with these shows because I really like Lemon Abner and uh, the comments largely are drawn from Jot em Down Journals, the official publication of the Lemon Abner Society. They're no longer in print, but they can be found if you know where to look out there on the World Wide Web. And so without further ado, here is me reading some excerpts uh, from some articles. So take it away, Keith. Hello. Continuing on with the article by Roz Rogers on the Lumanabnerese language of Pine Ridge. The land occupied by the Lumanabnerite was roughly in the west central part of what was known as Arkansas and may still be. However, the language found in the scrolls in question does not purport to be authentic Arkansas dialect. While it may indeed show some influences of the language of the original Arkansans, it claims only to be authentic Lemonabnerese. In fact, these are the only known documents to be written in pure Lemonabnerese. Sometime around the 30s of the early 20th century, two enterprising young men named Lumetters and Abner Peabody, who frequently used the names of Chester Locke and Norris Goff to throw off bill collectors, developed this language especially for themselves and their band of followers. Although at first reading it may appear baffling to even the most astute linguistic scholars, it is actually quite a simple and economical language, and one that can be mastered with a minimum of study and application. One reason for its very individualistic style is that when Lum Edwards and Abner Peabody decided to immortalize the tribe by turning it into what was then called a radio show, neither Lum nor Abner had ever seen a radio script. This is understandable because in that period, the fad of radio was pretty much confined to New York, Chicago and a western outpost called San Francisco. Therefore, Lum and Abner were forced to make up their own form, a form which proved to be among other things, a great paper-saving device. Everything was single-spaced, with absolutely no margins at the top, bottom, or sides. Oftentimes, words at the end of a line ran halfway off the page. In the early 40s of that same century, when I took over the writing of the script, I saw no reason to change the form. After all, that's what Lum and Abner were used to reading, and they were the only ones who ever saw the script. In later years, however, when the radio networks, as they were called, became more sophisticated, they got some fool notion. They would like to see our scripts before they were broadcast all over the land. They weren't exactly sure what Lum and Abner were up to, and wanted to protect themselves from God knows what. So we agreed to make an extra carbon copy for them. But they seemed to be confused by both the form and the language of Lum and Abner ease in the original and rather strongly insisted that we let 
then put our scripts through a process known as mimeographing, a primitive method of making many copies from a single original. This, of course, robbed the scripts of their old typographical charm, but they said that was progress. It also meant that the writer would now have to write the scripts at least one day in advance of the broadcast day, which robbed the writer of the daily thrill of racing to the radio studio, hoping to get the scripts there before airtime. Stand by for more as we continue our Lemon Abner introductions. Now for a word about today's episode. Okay, this is the show f- that aired on November the 14th, 1948. And it is called, what is it called, uh, Doc Peabody Marriage Counselor, or something like that. Uh, and the way it starts out is Lum and Abner are playing checkers, and it was surprising to me, because normally Abner is playing with a grandpap. Uh, I think maybe he might be found in the 15-minute shows playing with somebody else once in a while, but it's almost always grandpap. I don't think I've ever uh, heard Lum on a radio show until today and they're really going ahead I think they're more intense than any any checker game that uh, Lum and Grant or, uh, Grandpap and Abner had and they're so focused that they don't realize customers come in the store and in particular they don't notice that Ezra Seastrunk comes in the store Ezra thinks they're answering his questions and the uh, mix-up <laughs> the comedy of errors uh, that works out and the marriage advice works and so now uh, Abner is giving marital advice which doesn't necessarily end up too well for him in the end I'll leave it hanging there now there's a couple of bits of trivia I want to mention during your checker game Lum makes a comment about a king being hard to get for a queen or I forget how he words it but it's something about that and what it refers to is on this day Prince Charles was born to Queen Elizabeth so this is a uh, a last minute uh, probably ad lib to give homage to that the other points of uh, current events on here is of course uh, in 1948 would have been an election year and it famously is the election where Truman won despite the Gallup polls predicting he would lose. There was some newspaper headlines emblazoned with Dewey wins because the newspapers took that and ran with it for the early edition. Truman would joke about it and he has a famous picture where he was holding up that headline. So with those bits of added trivia, enjoy the show. All right, uh, and uh, thanks for reading that, um, Keith. <laughs> uh, in case I haven't already said so, uh, you can find more about Loma Abner by visiting the Loma Abner Society's webpage. Uh, do, a Google, do a Google search for them. Or I believe the URL is lumandabner.org, all ran together, one word. And you can also find more information on Facebook. There is a group, the Lum and Abner Radio Group, which is chock full of lots of fans of Lum and Abner and all things Pine Ridge. 
ask you questions. There are plenty of fans who would love to talk to you about Lemon Abner and join the conversation. So with that said, let's get on with the show. And thanks for listening. the new Lum and Abner show. Tonight, Frigidaire, a division of General Motors, brings you a brand new kind of visit with those old characters down in Pine Ridge. Featuring Clarence Hartzell as Ben Withers, the music of Felix Mills, and starring your old favorite, Lum and Abner. America's number one refrigerator is Frigidaire. Yes, any way you look at it, America's number one refrigerator is Frigidaire. Number one in popularity. For more Frigidaire refrigerators serve in more American homes than any other make. Number one in thrilling new advantages, as you can see for yourself at any Frigidaire dealers. And number one in dependability. For Frigidaire refrigerators are made only by General Motors. And this association of experience with experience, of skill with skill, is your guarantee of lasting satisfaction. So when it comes to a new refrigerator for your home, remember this. The first name you think of is the right one to buy. Frigidaire, America's number one refrigerator. on the little community of Pine Ridge, we find the old fellows in their jot-em-down store. Lama's seated at the checkerboard. Abner's talking on the telephone. Listen. Uh, prunes? Just a minute, Miss Barton. Hold up on. Lum, have we got any prunes? Prunes? Just a second here. Hey, uh, you can't move that man there. You're cheating. I am not. You're cheating. I'm playing just like you do. Oh, oh so you admit it, huh? <laughs> All right, I'll put the checker back if it'll make you happy. There. Well, that's better. Now, let me see. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's still my turn. Get your lunch hooks off of them checkers. Excuse me. There. Now go ahead. All right, sir. Let's see here. Uh, Prunes, you say? Yeah. Believe I'll just move that little... Oh, no, 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 no. You know, by rights, we oughtn't to be playing checkers during business hours, Abner. No, we oughtn't. There. Sure, move along. All right. Miss Pomeroy told Miss Blevins that we get so wrapped up in a game we even forget to answer the phone. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hurry up and move. Don't rush me. Morning, Mom. Morning, Abner. Hurry up, Mom. My, ain't it a grand morning? Hey, let's see now. I say, ain't it a grand morning? There. Uh, go ahead, Abner. Hmm. I want a bucket of lard and two cans of... Say, did you hear me? I want a bucket of lard. So he got me in a bad spot there. <laughs> they 
listen here, you lazy varmint. This is the last time I'm ever going to trade here. And I'll see to it that nobody else trades here, neither. We'll close this junk shop up so tight you couldn't open it up with a crowbar. What do you think of that, Abner Peabody? Huh? Oh, well, morning, Miss Goshen. Nice to see you. <laughs> Abner, don't sit there gabbing all day. Move. Well, I'm going to. There. How do you like that? Yeah, Dwayne, I was hoping you wouldn't see that. What can we do for you today, Miss Goshen? Yeah, I reckon I'll just have to do this. Hey, wait a minute. You can't move. There, you got to jump. I do, huh? Why, sure. Then I'll land in the king row and you'll have to crown me. <laughs> be a pleasure. Go ahead, Long. Move. Oh, gosh, Ellis. Have I got trouble in the home? T-R-U... T-R... Trouble in the H-O-M home. You gotta do it, Lom. There's nothing else she can do. Oh, that there woman of mine is on the warpath again. She's had me in the doghouse along. I'm starting to chase alley cats. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. Go ahead and move. Oh, how can I do that? <laughs> Just as quick as I get in the house, she locks me in the upstairs bedroom. There's just one thing to do, jump. Bring <laughs> a boot from the upstairs window. Granny Sandra, there must be some other way out. No, there ain't, Lom. No, sir. I believe it's worth a broken leg to get away from that there wildcat. Well, all right. There. Now watch me. <laughs> right into the king roll. Yeah, but what is she catching me a leaving? Crown her, boy. <laughs> Browner? Yeah, that's the time. Well, by Jimmy Abner, now I'm going to take the fair advice if it's the last thing I ever do. And it may be. <laughs> Did somebody just go out the door just now? Yeah. Goodbye, Miss Goshan. <laughs> I know it's taken me a long time, but now I've got me a king. Yeah. Now you know how Princess Elizabeth feels. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lom. That dad blame Miss Goshen must have left the telephone receiver off the hook. Let's see here now. Absent-minded old Betty. <laughs> Hello. Is anybody still on here? Huh? Just a minute. Lom. Yeah? Have we got any prunes? <laughs> Don't get out that checkerboard today. We're giving that up for good. Huh. I just seen Miss Goshen on my way to work this morning. She claimed she was in here yesterday, and we never even waited on her. Oh, pretty pretty. She run out before we ever had a chance to. Well, morning, Esri. Howdy, fellas. Howdy. Abner, old boy, let me shake your hand. Yeah, sure. How do you do? Proud to see you, Ezra. Ain't saw you around here for a month or so. Month? Well, what about what happened here yesterday? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, what was it? Oh, don't judge me, Abner. I tell you, that there was the greatest one piece of advice I ever heard. I done just like you told me to do. Ah. Uh, I walked up to my woman and I says, Carrie, I am a movie. 
so she locked me in the upstairs bedroom. So I packed my valise and jumped out in the window. I told you to do that. <laughs> for pity's sake, Sandra, what do you go around telling things like that for? Well, Lama. Well, it's just a wonder you wasn't killed, Ezra. You wasn't? I was lucky. Carrie was down there waiting for me. Well, what was so lucky about that? <laughs> she broke my fall. <laughs> Oh. oh. Well, uh, when she come to, she said, where do you think you're going as a sea stump? And right there is where I carried out the rest of your advice, Abner. Ah, uh, I crowned her. Is <laughs> it? Wang her on the noggin with my valise. Oh, my goodness, a lot. And then what happened, Ezra? This I don't want to hear. <laughs> Carrie looked up at me and says, Ezra... I never knowed to now you love me. Huh? <laughs> she called me her big, strong caveman. Then she picked me up and carried me back upstairs. <laughs> oh, I tell you, Abner, everything's all right. I'm a happy man again. You don't know what you've done for me. Don't know. You don't even suspect. <laughs> Uh, you say I gave you this advice yesterday? Yes, and since then I've told all my friends about you. They've all got troubles and want your advice. Well, now, wait a minute now, Ezra. The fact is, is there's a bunch of them waiting outside to see you now. Huh? Greenies, look at that. They're lined up outside the store there like Democrats outside the White House. <laughs> Abner, Abner, these here fellows all need your help. They're all on the verge of becoming mixed up and confused. Well, they've some, sure come to the right man, all right. There ain't no human alive can help you get mixed up and confused more than Abner. <laughs> Abner, you've got to cut out running this advice bureau. You ain't hit a lick of work around here since you've taken up Beatrice Fairfaxon. Besides, who are you to go around giving advice? What do you know about trouble? Well, I'm married, ain't I? I don't see what you're doing this for in no way. You ain't making a cent of money out of it. Well, I ain't interested in money. I just get so much enjoyment out of my work. Enjoyment? Yeah. Mom, you just want to hear the things that people tell me. <laughs> Why, you little gossip, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, what I could tell you about some of the folks around here. Well, I don't want to hear none of it. I'm above that. There ain't no one thing lower than a person that listens to gossip. What are some of them? Well, I can't tell you none. Now, wait a minute, I see one of my clientele's coming up out there. Old Doc Peabody's got to get to work. Old Doc Peabody? When did that start? Can't mind out. Be quiet. Good morning, Old Doc Peabody. <laughs> Good morning, number 74WK59. 74. Abner, this is Ben Withers. Lom, please. We never use no names in this business. Come along, 74W. That's all right. How's everything with you, Lum? Oh, terrible. Fine. <laughs> now, sit right there, 7-4. Thank you. Now then, 7-4, just pour out your little heart. Tell me all the spicy herb. <laughs> Tell me everything. <laughs> well, I'm coming to you on behalf of a friend of mine, Robert Zinkafu. 
<laughs> Who? Yes. My lady resident. Perhaps you've heard of him. He's in the inventing game. Inventor of a washable violin. <laughs> well, he never learned how to play it, but he certainly keeps it nice and clean. <laughs> well, uh, what's his problem? Fine. Follett Zikafoot <laughs> went steady with Myrtle Travers for nine and one half years. Then one day, Myrtle went to a picnic with another fellow. Later on, she got engaged to him. Then she married him. Uh-huh. Then somehow, Follett and her just seemed to drift apart. <laughs> well, uh, what's the problem? Does he want to marry somebody else? Who? I don't know. Some girl. Yes, they're the best to marry. But in this case, I would advise against marriage. You would, huh? What's this girl's name? <laughs> what girl? This girl you mentioned in connection with marriage. Well, I don't know who she is. <laughs> well, there you are. You don't even know her name. You should at least get acquainted with her first, Adler. Well, Ben, I... Maybe you'll find out she's not the right girl for you after all. <laughs> but, Ben, I... And then, too, you've been reasonably happy with Elizabeth, haven't you? Well, yeah, sure I have. Uh... And you've got to think of your daughter, Pearl, too. <laughs> you don't want her to become a homeless little waif, do you? No, I sure don't. Bless her heart. <laughs> Bless her little heart. <laughs> all right, then. Go home. Take this over. <laughs> I'm sure you'll change your mind. Well, thanks, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> you just ain't got no idea how much you tell me. <laughs> Wait a minute. What am I doing out here? I'm the advisor. <laughs> Fulton, before you tell me about any program ideas, let me remind you that Colossal Broadcasting Company puts on only first-class entertainment. But, Mr. Fleagerly, this old Doc Peabody is a natural. Yeah. He's sort of a backwood philosopher, a, a rural Sullivan. Why, people come to him from miles around for advice. He might be a sensation on the radio. Well, I hate to spend any more for talent the way prices are going now. I just bought young Dr. Malone for seven million, and look what happened. Now he's so rich, he's given up his practice. Yes, I know. Then I bought Smiling Ed McCown for nine million. And he's been laughing so hard ever since he can't stay. I know, Mr. Fleagerly, but... Then I paid eleven million for John's other wife. Now his first wife is suing us for alimony. But, Mr. Fleagerly, I'm sure if you played your cards right, you could get this old Doc Peabody for nothing. Well, why didn't you say so? I'll put a call through to him right away. Hello, jot him down store and advice bureau. Old Doc Peabody doing the talking. Hello, I'm calling from New York. Hey, Lom, some fellas call me clean from New York. Oh, sure, sure. Mr. Dewey, no doubt. <laughs> 
Tell him it's too late for advice now. Hello? Hello? I'm president of the Colossal Broadcasting Company. Well, sir, my advice to you is don't worry about it. Just recollect, every silver lining has a black cloud around it. But, Doctor, I don't want advice. I want to put you on the radio. Huh? We'll run some lines out to Pine Ridge and broadcast your advice bureau. We'll put you on a coast-to-coast hookup over a long string of stations. I don't get long. They're going to string me up on a long hook. I knew it'd happen sooner or later. Abner, hash up your bragging. Granny's, ever since you got that long-distance call from that broadcasting outfit, you've been strutting around like a he-turkey in a barnyard. <laughs> All puffed out and gobbling a lot of stuff that don't make no sense. Now, look here, Lawmetters. I guess a man with my national standing as a radio talker's got a right National standing? Radio talker? <laughs> I bet you don't even know a microphone from a micro... Oh, hello, Mr. Niles. It's a relief to see you. Oh, good evening, Mr. Niles. And how is everything with our good friend from Frigidaire? Why, fine, fine. Say, uh, what's all this about a microphone? You know, I've always been interested in radio. Oh, Abner here thinks he's a Gabriel Thomas or a Lowell Heater or something. Well, just give me a little practice, that's all. Just a little practice. I read a book about radio announcing once. Maybe I can give you some pointers. Uh, Here, I'll use this broom for a microphone. Now, uh, the first thing you have to do is to get your listeners' attention. Tell them something exciting or important, like uh, only the Frigidaire automatic washer gives you live water action. That's the revolutionary new washing and rinsing action that gets clothes and linens really clean because it sends cleansing currents of water surging through and through every square inch of fabric. No ordinary agitator to tug and twist the things. Even the most delicate lingerie is washed as gently as though by hand. But, Mr. Niles, I'm going to be telling people how to handle their problems. Handling problems? There's no problem to handling clothes. Frigidaire's rapid-dry spin gets them so dry they're light and easy to handle. Many things can be ironed right away. And I'm going to tell them how to have happier home. Any home is happier with a Frigidaire automatic washer. There's no heavy wash day work to get a woman all tired out and cross. Why, all you do is put in clothes and soap and touch a dial. That's all. And I'll advise folks how to keep out of hot water. A very good point. With a Frigidaire automatic washer, your hands need never be in water. It's that easy to use. There now, Mr. Peabody, does that uh, give you some idea of radio technique? Yeah, well, I reckon so. Sure does. Only one thing that bothers me now, Mr. Niles. Well, what's that? Well, when I get so I can give spiels like that on this Frigidaire show, what are you going to do for a job? Hi, Granny's Ben. I just don't know what to do with Abner. Ever since them New York fellers come out here to put him on the radio, he's so important he can't hardly stand himself. And neither can I. Why? And what's worse, neither can his woman, Elizabeth. He's been so busy telling everybody else how to get along with their wife, he don't even know his own wife is flooning the coop. Why, Stars, has Mrs. Peabody left him? Oh, yeah. She separated him. Her and little 
Pearl packed up and hopped the milk truck to Hatfield. Oh, yes. Hatfield. Nice place. I just feel so sorrowful for poor Elizabeth. I don't know what to do. Maybe she'll run into Lyle Greeno over there. Who's he? Yes. <laughs> Lyle Greeno moved from Mount Eighty to Hatfield in 1932. He got caught in the westbound Labor Day traffic that year and wasn't able to execute a left turn till he got to Hatfield. Well, Ben... I've never been there myself. Ben, how can you be talking about Lyle Greeno when poor Elizabeth the tore up? I just wish you could hear the letter she wrote me from Hatfield. So? From Hatfield? Did she mention Lyle Greeno? Ben, she don't even know Lyle Greeno. Oh, he's easy to recognize. He has a nice mustache. But she dyed gray. Dyed gray? What color was it before? Black. <laughs> he doesn't think the black went well with his hair. What, what color was his hair? Red. <laughs> what else did she say about Lyle? She never said nothing about it. She told how Abner had been treating her something awful since he got to be such a big shot. Oh, she rips him up one side and down the other. Why? I'm a good mind to show Abner this letter from his wife. Maybe it'll open the little varmint's eyes, bring him to his senses. Well, now's a good time to do it. Here comes old Doc Peabody right now. Yeah, just look at that smirk on his face. Ain't that disgusting? How? Uh, now, brown cow. <laughs> Now, brown cow. What in the world? Cow now, bow round. Wait a minute. What are you doing, Abner? He wants a backwoods. You know I'm practicing my electrocution. <laughs> this radio fella from New York listened to me talk, and he thinks before on the, I go on the air, I need to be electrocuted. Well, I can understand just how he feels, but ain't he a little drastical? How a uh, now, Brown? <laughs> Now, Listen, but... brown cow, here's a, here's a letter I think you ought to read. Please, not now. I'm a busy man. How for now? Abner, cut that out. This letter is... Uh, uh, I refer to my clientele by case numbers only. Read it to me on my broadcast tonight, and I'll be more than happy to answer it. You mean you want me to read this letter over the radio where everybody can hear it? Why, sure. You're sure now? I'm positive. All right, Doctor, you asked for it, and I granny that's just exactly what you're going to get. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we bring you a special broadcast direct from Pine Ridge, Arkansas, featuring old Doc Peabody, the bucolic counselor of the hills, to whom hundreds are turning for his homespun philosophy and sage guidance. And here he is... Old Doc Peabody. And here he is, Old Doc Peabody. <laughs> Doc, we're on the air. Say something. Uh, how now? <laughs> uh, uh, Doctor, I believe you have a young man here tonight who's seeking your guidance. There he is. Oh, you mean Cedric. Yeah, sure. Get up here, Cedric. Get up on coming. Uh, careful them microphone wires. What for? Just stand up here, Cedric. That's it. 
All right, Cedric. Tell me all about yourself, Cedric, my boy. Well, uh, my name is Cedric. Uh, no names, please. Oh, excuse me. I live in Pine Ridge. Uh, no localities, please. No beans. Uh, no vegetables, please. Can I sit down now? No, not yet. Now then, you poor suffering critter. Tell me what your problem is. Well, I ain't got no problem. Oh, you're bound to have sad and unhappy as you are. What caused it, your girl? I don't think so. Has she spoke to you since you've seen her last? Come to think of it, she ain't. (laughs) Ain't even telephoned you? No, Mom. Oh, that is terrible. It might be because I ain't got no phone. (laughs) That is hardly an excuse. How did the fight start? Well, we were... That's funny, I don't recollect. My goodness, you hit him so hard he's got the magnesias. Mom? Oh, you poor, deserted, sick, suffering orphan. Well, uh, I ain't an orphan. I got a mama and a papa. That's the worst kind. Look at this boy, ladies and gentlemen. Lost his girl. Got no telephone. Mama and papa's both orphans. His health is shot. Got the magnesia. Oh, I'm a mess. <laughs> You sure What am I going to do, Mr. Abbott? What am I going to do? Yeah, I don't know, Cedric. Just try to work it out for yourself the best way you can. That's my advice to you. Thank you, Mr. Abbott. Now, watch out for them wires there. Into each life, a little rain must fall. <laughs> Next case. Uh, doctor, I believe you have a few letters to answer. Is that not correct? Why, yes, I believe that is not correct, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mail boy, would you read the letters to me? Uh, I can't hardly wait. Have you picked out the prize letter for today? Oh, brother, have I? <laughs> uh, we'll save that for the end. Don't worry, Doc, it will be. <laughs> Proceed, boy. Well, the first letter is from J.K. He writes, Dear Doc, I am in love with two women. One of them is rich and the other one is pretty. I can't stand to look at the rich one and I can't afford to marry the pretty one. What shall I do? <laughs> Law, I don't know. <laughs> Next. Uh... This is from WQ. He writes, My happy home ain't what it used to be since my wife started getting highfalutin ideas. Now she objects to cigar smoking in the house. What should I do? Dear WQ, tell her to smoke them outdoors. <laughs> Next. DB writes, Me and a young lady I'm going with have been planning to get married for the last 11 years, but every time we set a date for the wedding, something has prevented it. You think I have a chance for happiness. Dear W.Q., yes, I think so. You've been awful lucky so far. (laughs) Next. 
Well, here's the prize letter for today, Doctor. It comes from E.P., and she writes, I am writing this to let you know why I have left... We're not supposed to use names, are we? No, no names, please. Uh, He just got so big-headed over this new job of his, I couldn't stand him. Acted like I wasn't good enough for him no more. Why, that ungrate. Just had no time for me or his own little daughter. Oh, that rat. He got to staying out till all hours. One night, he never come home till 8.30. Why, that rat. That's snake in the weed. For 40 years, I washed his clothes, cooked his meals, cut his hair, half-sold his shoes, ironed his britches, planted his crops, drove his mules, cleaned his plow. <laughs> but now that he's got a little success, the little worms forgot all that. Oh, I've heard enough. I can answer that right now. Dear E.P., if I was you, I'd take that underhanded, no-count credit you're married to, pick up the heaviest thing you can find, and whop some sense into that numbskull of his. Is that your advice, Dr. Peabody? Is that blame right? That's my advice. Good. And you'll be happy to know, Doctor, that E.P. stands for Elizabeth Peabody, your wife. Huh? <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, you hear the doctor's advice. Go to it. Elizabeth, now stay away. Keep back now. I just wait. Let go of me. Elizabeth, put me down. Now, honey, come help me. Help. Oh, 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 oh. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances over which the doctor ain't got no control, this is the last in a new series of broadcasts featuring that homespun philosopher who has just been spun home. <laughs> Norman Abner will be back in just a moment, but first, here is an important question. Would you like to have more room to keep perishable foods, even though your kitchen is already overcrowded? Then see the new Frigidaire refrigerators with a special design that gives you far more food storage space in the same kitchen space. And remember, only Frigidaire refrigerators are powered by the meter miser, the simplest refrigerating mechanism ever built. No, I'm sorry. Abner ain't in that advising business no more. I know you need advice bad, but he can't help you. Goodbye. Who was that? Dr. Gallup. <laughs> Wonder Mile's Dickens 